Enjoy episode 33 of the podcast with Tony Bisceglia. Conversations from yesterday is also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Three, two, one. If there's one thing that annoys me, it's technical difficulties. It brings out the inner, the inner cycle within me, and I, I don't like it. It's not a good thing. The Raging Bull. The Raging you saw Bull. Raging Bull the movie? No, I haven't see seen it. I've seen Taxi Driver uh, and Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies. I think I've seen it like 80 times at this point. So watch watch Raging Bull. It's got uh, some of the same guys in there. Robert De Niro stars in there. He's got Joe Pesci as his uh, sidekick in that. And it's, a, it's an awesome, inspiring tale. Uh, like we were talking about rage, man. How do you use your – how do you harness – negative energy into positive energy that's really what that movie is all about and, and you know having the the um fortitude to triumph in the face of all obstacles so really good movie check it out yeah says he, i think directed that one too yeah i might have to use a vpn or something to access it because canadian netflix doesn't have all of the uh all of the classics they're lacking big time they just took off Goodfellas, which is annoying. They took it off a while ago. Yeah, so you know what? Like, they, they took off uh, Gamora, too, which was another great series. So yeah. I don't know what the hell these guys are doing. I don't know. Whoever is responsible for like licensing content needs to either step up their game. But the thing is, everybody's going their own separate way. Exclusivity is yeah. the new thing. And, and you know that, of course, uh, being that you're a businessman and everything. It's just the way the, rate, the, way the streaming wars are moving. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's going to create an underground economy. It's going to give other people opportunities to jump in and start mm -hmm. out as, uh, you know, underground uh, uh, streaming channels. And then, you know, they can justify themselves uh, by saying, you know, they're providing a product and service that people want and go mainstream. It happens all the time. Yeah. It happened with uh, music pirating back in the early 2000s. Or even YouTube to a certain extent is, is streaming yeah. on a very individual and personal level. But yeah, yeah, that that rage within you, it's just, you were talking a bit about Mike Tyson before we got like sidelined with everything because yeah. of the technical difficulties. And we were talking about how um, psychedelics have humbled him in a way. It's yeah. just like a very, a very interesting approach to humbling yourself. Listen, Mike, Mike Tyson's got a lot of demons. I watched an amazing interview, uh, Tony Robbins and Mike Tyson, and he talked about his childhood and how poverty... Mm -hmm. And uh, being raised by a single mother alcoholic um, sort of framed his, his future life. Um, you know, he, he mentioned stuff like, you know, other kids were getting fed bottles of milk to get them put to sleep. And his mother would give him vodka to put them to sleep. So it tells you how you can mess up uh, somebody's life from an early age and why he did the things he did in his early career. He's a totally different man now, by the way. You know, like I, I followed his entire career, his whole life. Um, loved boxing, huge fan of boxing before the UFC basically toppled them. Um, and he's a really interesting character. He's had a, a tough life. And not that I think he wants sympathy or empathy from anyone, but, um, you know, can you blame a guy who, you know, came from a single parent family with no food? Uh, mother used to give him vodka instead of milk to put him to sleep. Uh, he was in juvenile detention center three times. Um, you can't blame him for being messed up. He had a super tough upbringing. And that's what made him a champion. See, he harnessed that rage. He met a guy called Customado who was a, a, a boxing coach. And Cus basically taught Mike how to harness his rage um, to get him to be a world champion. He was a world champion by the time he was 20 years old. He was an Olympic champion. And he was with Cus D'Amato, who ultimately adopted him straight out of reform school and turned him into the champion that he was. And then, unfortunately, 
uh, Customato died. He, he got cancer and passed away, I think, five or six years after he took Mike Tyson in like a son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has that warrior spirit within him. He has a podcast, Mike Tyson, called Hot Boxing, and I, I he had Akon yeah. on, and he was ta- I caught the clip off of Instagram, and he was talking about how um, he did an ancestry test, and it co- and it comes back, and it says that he's Congolese, I believe that's what it is, and and they're basically talking about like the warrior spirit uh, within the Congolese people. I believe it's the Congolese. I may be getting it wrong, but he just has like number one the struggle, which you mentioned. Um, there's a certain type of person that becomes a, an Olympic boxer or, or an incredible athlete like Mike Tyson. It's a very specific person. And he has like two crazy factors, genetics and just an absurd amount Drive. of obstacles within your life. Obstacles. Drive. He, he's yeah. not a, he's not a very big heavyweight. He's five eleven. Um, you know, so for heavyweights, he's actually a small heavyweight. So he overcame even physical um, you know, uh, limitations to get to where he is because most of the guys that he fought, if you go have a look at the uh, reel, the tape, you'll see that most of the guys that he fought, uh, Riddick, Bo, um, everyone pretty much was taller than him and maybe heavier than him. So mm-hmm. he was able to overcome um, his lack of size with skill, training, focus, determination, and the will to win. Because when he went in uh, to a fight, he envisioned winning every single time. You got to watch some of the YouTube tapes of, of him and Customato when he's young. And, and, you know, it's all about mindset. It always comes down to the mind. You could have physical, um, you know, limitations, but your mind can overcome those, those limitations. And that's what happened with Mike Tyson. But I think, you know, going back to like you were saying, Congolese heritage, um, to me, you know what? I, I'm not a big believer in ethnicity um, framing uh, champions. You know, they used to say at one time, um, the Germans, for example, were dominant in soccer because they were taller, uh, they were faster, more athletic. Um, but at the end of the day, the Brazilians, the Italians, all these other um, nations, when multiple World Cups were able to dethrone the Germans several times, the Argentinians did it as well. Um, even though they were inferior, you can say physically, but mentally or skill-wise, it turned out to be better. So same type of thing with Tyson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's so much like his nationality or just like... I guess you can say he lucked out with a with a gangster set of genetics that just propelled him even more. Like, of course, he yeah. has like the insane mental fortitude that you know you could say lacks in today's world. But um, yeah, he just kind of lucked out on the genetic lottery. He's an absolute. Yeah, listen, you know, I I think it's for athletes in general, and I hate to to bash this generation, but like this Gen Z of athletes, look at these. These Leafs, Mitch Marner, Matthews, all the look at how shitty they're playing. And you know what? They don't have any gumption, man. They got no cojones. They play soft. They're they're not real men. Another guy you should check out because you're a real man is Dan Penna. Go to see Dan Penna on the internet. Yeah, he he's very about, aggressive. He's yeah, he's you know fiery. What? He gives you data. He says that from the 1960s to today. Um, the men's hand grips, and these are scientific data, evidence-based uh, research projects in universities, show that men's hand grips have diminished over the last few decades. So, you know, a guy would be able to lift or, or shake hands with someone with a much firmer, stronger grip in 1960 or 1970 than he does in 2020. Do I believe it? Yeah, because society has softened um, the male. And, I, and you see it in every form of society. And, and not to say, though, listen, I got two daughters, so 
Um, I'm all for equal rights for women and everyone. But the male uh, in today's society has been diminished in several ways. And that's proven through data, evidence, and research. Um, and Dan Penn is 110% right. This generation, unfortunately, is a bunch of snowflakes. And I'll say it any day of the week. Um, you know, past generations, when they were 18, they were going to war. World War II, my grandfather at 18 was shipped off to Africa. Here's a gun. Good luck. You're going to war in Somalia, Eritrea, and all these other northern African places. Um, in the 1960s, Vietnam, American kids drafted right out of high school. You're going to war. You know, now you got kids crying because 7-Eleven's closed and they can't get a, a blueberry slushie. It's like, you know what? It's a different mindset. And I think <laughs> my generation is to blame. I think my parents' generation is slightly to blame because as each generation goes on, we try and make our children's lives more and more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that is a, the downfall of, of a strong society, downfall of a Western society, I believe. Hmm. You mentioned war. And I, and I think that although struggle create like that, that pressure and that stress creates like diamonds in a way. Um, yeah. I don't think war is the factor because if you look in the, in like the Eastern world, like you look at, you look at, uh, cultures that, you know, face large amounts of struggle and then they, the uh, immigrants come over to the West and they have this immigrant mentality, this term, the immigrant mentality. They have this mental fortitude that isn't comparable to any other, uh, native you could say to the West or like person that has been born and raised in the West. So setting war as the, as the precedent for what makes people strong, I think is potentially dangerous just because like war shouldn't, war shouldn't be glorified in a way. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying it should be glorified, but I'm saying the experiences the men from the Vietnam generation and world war two and the greatest generation went through, um, basically framed their experience in life. So when you come back from war and people are shooting at you and dropping bombs at you, you're not worried that, uh, you know, you didn't get to uh, go to the store and pick uh, exactly what you want and then you're upset about it. I'm saying like this generation and my generation stress over um, minuscule things which past generations would never stress over. They were just happy to have a roof over their head. And, you know, at one point, uh, in the 1960s, people had a car and a one-car garage, and they were super happy. Now people aren't happy with a one-car garage. We need a two-car garage. We need a three-car garage. You need a regular vehicle. You need a weekend vehicle. Um, so we are no longer content uh, the way the past generations were. And we find things a lot more difficult because we haven't lived through tough experiences that other generations have had to live through. Well, I think this pandemic could have, like, it, it, there's not so much the struggle there just because we live in a developing country and, and you have the stimulus um, that's being pumped into the economy and people are receiving CERB, which I don't think is a bad thing because if working conditions are unsafe and you know, your employer is going to like m- not put the proper requirements or, or precautions in place, then I think, you know, CERB is, is fine. And you look at the U S right now and they don't have ongoing stimulus, which is a big problem. So, so this you pandemic, know what I'm going to tell you, yeah, go, go, for ahead, go, ahead. go for it. Go no, for no, it. Go for it. I want you to finish your thought. Then I'll tell you what the, the real issue was, which most people aren't talking about. Um, countries like ours, the North American countries uh, in the West, the USA and Canada, were not prepared for this pandemic. You know how this pandemic could have been tackled and how we could have tackled it efficiently and quickly? If we would have had PPE available to us immediately. We had yeah. no masks. We had no ventilators. We had none of the first world medical equipment required to tackle this pandemic. 
And the reason why they didn't implement wearing masks earlier is because we didn't have them. We had to wait for China and 3M to produce them. We didn't have warehouses full of ventilators and masks. So we were behind the eight ball. We were caught off guard because if they would have had the masks and ventilators, we would not have had the deaths and the rate of infection that we do today. I think if, if week one, everybody was told, you got to wear a mask. This is what public health is telling you to do to stop infection. We wouldn't be at the point that we're at. Believe yeah. me. Yeah. No, no. That frustrates me. Powers of B, like now, today, Doug Ford saying, oh, buy Ontario products. Why weren't we saying this two or three years ago? I'll tell you why. Because the dollar store effect, and when I say the dollar store effect, I'm talking about cheap products, not made in Canada, made mostly in China and other countries like Taiwan, is what the consumer wants. They want disposable, cheap products. And there's a price to pay for that. And we paid it during COVID-19 because we didn't have our own products or our manufacturers able to make those products fast enough to get them to market to save lives. So it really, it's a slight on our governments for not having the foresight to be prepared for a world pandemic. So I blame yeah. our, our Western governments. Yes, uh, you got really fired up there, which I, I respect. And, and that's the one thing that bothers me. You know, when people talk about Dr. Tam or, or even Fauci in the US and they talk about inconsistencies and, you know, um, the times that they've consistently contradicted themselves, it comes with mask safety. It comes with them not implementing masks sooner or them even saying uh, masks are more unsafe. So it's like four months into a pandemic, you're, you're putting in um, mandatory mask mandates. Like that doesn't make sense. You just did a disservice to your no, people. It, it makes sense. And nobody... It makes sense because they didn't have them before. But it doesn't make sense. Now. It makes it sense makes because they're it, because they're covering for themselves, and that's why it makes sense. But it, they've done a complete disservice to right. their to their constituents, yes. to their people. And guess what? These Absolutely. people aren't going to be held accountable because you know, if but they it's if not they, the doctor's fault, it, it's not no. Tam's fault, it's not Fauci's fault, it's the elected politicians' fault. We have a lack of leadership. Our politicians are the weakest they've ever been in history. If uh, Churchill were alive, if even even the, the fascist leaders, Mussolini and some of these other leaders were alive, they would they would turn in their graves and laugh at the quality of politicians that we have. We don't have leaders. We have yes men. We have weak men and women, for, for that matter. Actually, but probably the strongest politician in the world is a woman, Angela Merkel in Germany. And the rest of them are buffoons for the most part. And I'm not familiar with politics, Germany's leadership. I, I'm not, yeah, I can't well, comment. Germany... Germany supporting all of Europe. If it weren't for Germany, Europe would be bankrupt. And so is England, by the way. England and Germany. Without them, the rest of those countries, Italy, Spain, Portugal, Greece, they're all underwater. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I can't, I, you, you are speaking with conviction. So for the sake of the conversation, I am going uh, to go with that. I don't have the information right. uh, readily <laughs> available. Yeah. Well, you do speak with no conviction, problem. which is a good thing. But yeah, it's just. Look, look it up. When I was Look talking Angela Merkel in Germany. Yeah, I will. But when I when I use like the point of Dr. Tam, I was I'm not going at her directly. She's just kind of like the face that she's just kind of the figurehead for like this larger system at play. So it's like she's an easy target at the end of the day. You, you got know? it. That's right. Like, they they sell her out. The politicians sell out the doctors. That's the bottom line. Trump sells out Fauci. Um, mm -hmm. Trudeau sells out Tam. Um, you know, I hear it all the time. I even hear when, you know, when Ford gets up to the podium, he's like, well, I'm going to redirect this question to the Minister of Education. I'm going to redirect it to that. Just give us an answer. You know what? Not everybody's going to like you. You're going to have 50% of the population that hate you, 50% that like you, but have the conviction to give an answer you believe in. That's what we lack. Everybody wants to make everyone happy. 
typical politicians. You hear it with the city of Vaughan politicians on CP24 giving the standard political answers. And then they say, you know, we've, we've got more building permits in Vaughan than uh, ever in history and more development than any other region in Canada. Um, yeah, because that's infused money. And those are, are projects which either, you know, hospital projects, which benefactors give them money for, or, um, you know, infrastructure projects like bridges, roads, et cetera. Um, but how about small business, which are all apparently closing down? Um, all these restaurants that you see, 50% of them will be closed. Most That's... retail outlets will be closed. Shopping malls are doomed. Um, it's going to be doom and gloom come November. You mark my words. Yeah, that that's a scary thought. That's a scary thing to think about. And that's why with this, it's like one of the you were you were saying at like how you were you were impressed at like my my consistency with this, although I did like take yeah. a two week break in June, just because I, I need to like, uh, just like detach myself from like the internet and everything. But there's like a constant paranoia, you know, within the things that I do, because it's just like the fear of like the clock running out or time's not on your side. Because that, like, that's a scary thing, you know, like I want to have something by the time this is over and you're saying November, all these businesses are going to be closed. It's like, I want to have something to support myself with if, you know, the community around me can't sustain itself. Listen, I, I admire what you're doing as a young person. Um, I would tell other young people to look at you as a role model and try and emulate what you're doing because uh, you've taken the initiative. You're a young, intelligent guy. Uh, you're thinking forward. Um, everything that, that you should be doing, you are doing. And that's what young people should be doing. Unfortunately, I don't see that happening with most young people. Most young people live in the moment. People, you know, they, they've got the, the YOLO um, lifestyle motto and philosophy, which they live by. Um, you know what? At the end of the day, like I said, we got to learn from history and past generations. You have to look to the future, even though the future is not guaranteed. And you have to plan for the future, even though the future is not guaranteed. You know, anybody, I can cross the road tomorrow and get hit by a car, knock on wood. Um, but I'm not going to say I'm not going to plan for tomorrow because there's a chance that I can get hit by a car. I've got to plan two, three, five, ten years ahead and hope for the best, obviously, because there are no guarantees in life. If you go to bed at night thinking I need a guarantee, you are going to have anxiety from now till, till we're six feet under. So there's no guarantees in life. You try your best, you give 110%, you make a go of it every day, the rest is in God's hands. Yeah, yeah, that's just the way it is. Well, I, you mentioned like how the young generation um, is kind of into like the whole YOLO mentality and living vicariously. And although I don't want to sound like a dinosaur here or anything like that, um, I do think that like living vicariously is, is not necessarily a bad thing. It can, it can lead to like risk taking and you really doing something. If it's not done yeah. productively, then, then, you know, like that's yeah, a problem. You, you got to make, you got, and it's not done productively. You hit the nail on the head. You got to take uh, educated, smart risks. When, when you say you take risks, it's not just throw caution to the wind. You take a, a calculated risk in business. I do it all the time. And other business people who are in business for the most part, they calculate risks every single day. But you're not throwing caution to the wind and just saying, hey, you know what, tomorrow I'm uh, going to jump on a plane and go to Thailand, which a lot of young people do and waste five years of their freaking life over there doing what? Sitting on the beach and, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know why I don't know why Thailand is the spot. That's a funny one. Like, I know I a couple of people that have gone to all Thailand. All the Italians, everyone goes to Thailand. These young people go to Thailand. I see it on Instagram. Everybody's going to Thailand. Well, man, something special yeah. in Thailand. Well, like, I guess, like, the whole meditation and spiritual aspect, which, you know, I, I do respect, but, like, 
um, there's a lot of good places in Vaughan where you can expand your mind and stuff, <laughs> or even in Ontario or in Toronto. Toronto's a huge yeah. hub for like uh, counterculture and spiritual thought and just um, spirituality yeah. in general. So I don't know, maybe it's just just to live vicariously and, and do a change of scenery, maybe. But like, I maybe. don't know. Maniscalco has a good bit about uh, going to find yourself. He's like, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like he's talking about his immigrant dad and he's like, find yourself. You're right in front of me. I see you. You're right here. You're right here. And like, although I, I, although I do respect that immigrant mentality, it's like nuanced thinking is important in order to like be open-minded to the fact that maybe there is something out there that you, you maybe you need to find or connect yourself with. Yeah. How about connecting yourself with work? Um, setting goals professionally, uh, family goals, all that stuff's out the window. It's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I, see, I'm a straight shooter. I don't really care what people No, think no, that's, that's um, fine. So I respect I that. Tell people, I tell people the way it is. You know what? I, I have some traditional values that I feel have gone by the wayside. People no longer have the family values they used to have. They don't have the religious values they used to have. They don't have societal values that we used to have. And I don't think that um, there should be a knock on people who have traditional values, which I think the mainstream media does today, uh, because, you know, obviously um, traditional values are frowned upon in today's society. Um, so, you know, someone who's a hardworking, honest person trying to raise a family and, and make a living and, uh, you know, goes to work every day is looked upon almost as, uh, you know, the evil enemy. And, and I don't know how this came about. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I know this counterculture um, notion is prevalent well, in today's society. It's not counterculture at this point. It is, it is the main culture. And if you're not with it, that, then you could essentially be canceled uh, did, or, or yeah, somebody I, I can did, go I after did. you. That's, that's only the left-wing media in the U.S. But for the most part, listen, you know what? If there was that many counterculture people, Trump wouldn't have won the last election. He would Fair not enough. have won the last yeah. election. My biggest beef with, with the, the millennial generation or this kind of like young 20-something, 30-something-year-old uh, group of people who kind of, you know, like um, inhabit, like these, uh, inhabit these uh, urban areas is kind of like they're a generation of nomads with no, no like ownership in anything. You know, you yeah, see that with renting. Yeah, it's like it's they, were, they were set up to fail in a way, which is, which is a big problem. But it's just yeah. like... I, was, I saw this graph of like wealth share in the world between like all these generations and it's like Gen X, baby boomers, millennials, millennials have nothing. Like I want millennials to be successful, but there's like a, a weird thing going on. And I don't know. It's like, they're starting late. Every, every generation will have successful people. Every generation, believe me. 100%. Um, and and you'll, you'll, you'll realize it in 10, 15 years in hindsight, when people look back and do the Monday morning quarterback thing, there's the, right now during this crisis, the next um, Jeff Bezos, the next founder of, of Facebook, the next uh, big uh, CEO, entrepreneur or spiritual leader, the next Tony Robbins is in the making during this pandemic. Guys like you in 10 years time, we're going to look back and say, holy shit, I knew that guy. He started out with a podcast and look at him now. He's a media mogul right? That is going to happen. There are people making things happen like yourself. I don't see too many other guys your age taking the initiative to, to you know, commit to a podcast the way you do, do research, reach out to people. It takes a lot of maturity, guts, balls, it takes all that stuff. And you'll see in 10 years time, um, when the dust clears and the smoke clears, uh, there will be some real identifiable leaders. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I really, like you mentioned the next Jeff Bezos, I really hope a, a new Jeff Bezos comes out with another Amazon because Amazon is a monopoly right now and it's stifling the free market and it's responsible for the ne- destruction never of small business. That, never started that way though. Never no. started that way. But that's the thing about like a, a and, giant. And it's supply and demand. Jeff hmm. Bezos never went to anyone and said, I'm going to put a gun to your head. You have to buy from me. He hmm. saw a need in the market. He saw where the market was going and he was intelligent enough and persistent enough to build Amazon. He built that from scratch. You go look at at Jeff Bezos story. He started from his, uh, his, his basically his living room, um, you know, with an old DOS type of computer. So, you know, he wasn't someone who came from a wealthy family who had, uh, you know, all these, these political connections or, you know, even uh, business connections. He's a guy who had drive. And he built the business into what it is today. So, you know, people say, oh, he's got a monopoly. Well, he's got a monopoly because he figured out that the majority of the world wanted goods and services delivered to their door. And he was the only guy persistent enough and able to stick with it for the last 20 years. See, you're not old enough to remember, but in the, the turn of uh, 1999, 2000, 2001, there was a big tech bubble. Most companies, and there were a million Amazons. You don't know that, but there were a million of them. Mm-hmm. They all went under. Jeff Bezos was a lone survivor. So I give kudos to Jeff Bezos. I, you know what? Monopoly or no monopoly, at the end of the day, he's employing millions of people. People can yeah. say whatever they want. There's, a, there, there's a, an economic shift. People have to realize that. I have to realize it in my business. You know, business mm-hmm. is transformed. The way we communicate is transformed. You either jump on the bandwagon and look for the next thing, or you can sulk and say, hey, you know what? My, my 1,500 square foot um, you know, um, hardware store in a strip plaza is starting to, to do poorly. What am I going to do? Well, you know what? For the last 20 years, Home Depot, Lowe's, and Canadian Tire have been eating your lunch. You got to figure that out. You got to adapt. You got to change. That's the reality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I give Jeff Bezos a, a bad rap, you know? I, I make a lot of jokes about him. I say this and that. Like, um, well, I do think there's aspects of the guy that are like morally gray and stuff. Um, I, I do think, you know, his, his ability to create a business and stay persistent is something, uh, something super remarkable. And I, there's all these phony business accounts on Instagram. I'm sure you interact with them or see them on, on a daily basis. And the one thing they talk about with Jeff Bezos is the amount of money this guy makes. And I don't think money is what you should be focusing on. I think the work ethic of this guy is what you should be focusing on. But yeah. these phony, these phony Instagram, these hollow Instagram accounts focus on the number of uh, dollars this guy has, the amount, what his, his net worth. It's like, that's not what you should be focusing on. But also it's like, if you, if you get motivation from looking at one of those hollow Instagram pages, then maybe you need to evaluate yourself. Yeah. And if you could go back in time and ask Jeff Bezos, if his initial goal was to be a billionaire or to create a successful business, I guarantee you the answer would be B, create a successful business. Yeah. His initial goal wasn't to be a billionaire. I rip on the guy a lot. So there goes my mid-roll audible sponsorship that I never wanted. But you know what? It's all good. Yeah, it's just... Listen, guys like Zuckerberg, you got to look up to these people. You know, people hate Mark Zuckerberg. Why are you hating on the guy? He well, found, a, he found a, uh, you know, he found a, a hole in the market. He filled it and he's successful. Well, I think um, Mark Zuckerberg is an interesting character because I'll, I've, although he is kind of mischaracterized, 
Uh, you could say you could say that with his movie that, uh, or the Social Network that came out in 2010, which I am a fan of, just because of like the Aaron Sorkin style writing and everything. Or Aaron Sorkin wrote the script, but um, he is—he's another guy that just understood the market. And for such a robotic individual, he really has an interesting grasp on human behavior and how humans interact. Or he just saw like the future of human interaction and developed Facebook, which is a huge. Uh, monster in the tech space right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He's another one who was able to survive. You know how many Facebook type um, platforms there were? There was MySpace. There were tons of them. They weren't able to survive. You know why Facebook survived? Because of the leadership of Mark Zuckerberg, because he was relentless. He had that relentless drive to succeed where others failed. And, and that's where we should be giving him kudos. And, you know, people are often uh, down on him. But at the end of the day, he was able to persevere and he outlasted everyone. And uh, Facebook is where it is in part because of him and his personality. Yeah. Well, the way, the reason why he gets a bad rap now is kind of because of like the media's attacking him just for, um, I guess, Facebook's response to hate speech and whatever you want to characterize that at, which hasn't necessarily been legally defined, but is a problem in today's world, you could say. Uh, and that's kind of where they, they get them. That, that's kind of where they get them. I don't know if you saw the big tech hearing. Uh, in yeah. The, yeah. Yep. It was interesting. But he's the only one that came out and said um, China has been um, seen stealing from American businesses and they have committed intellectual property theft. And nobody else on that, on that panel or who was uh, testifying had the cojones to say that. So I'm very conflicted Absolutely. on Mark Zuckerberg as a person. He's, he, I don't know what to think about him. Like, I don't know if he's one of the good guys that's on the side of the people, if you know what I mean. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know what? No one's infallible, right? No one is infallible. Everyone has their faults. And when you look at these people, we shouldn't put them on a pedestal for their personal moral character. We should mm -hmm. look at them objectively and say, what have they done for society? The guy's employed a million people. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone in the world uses Facebook. Look at the impact that he's had on the world. And, you know, I, I don't need him to be a person of completely sound moral character. I think like we, you know, you mm -hmm. saw the, in the Bible, um, you know, cast the first stone if you haven't sinned. Everybody's sinned. Everyone's got some, some faults. So I think, you know what, we, we look at these public figures with the wrong lens. I really do believe that. I think, you know, we, we over-examine. This is why we don't have good leaders because the scrutiny of politicians today is by far, um, it's insane. If they would have scrutinized JFK and uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, the original Trudeau, the way that they scrutinize uh, politicians today, listen, those guys would have never been elected to office because their personal histories were very dark. Um, mm -hmm. So I just, I think well, we scrutinize everyone way too much. Well, that's the whole uh, thing about like, you know, taking down statues. It's like, um, if you're judging everyone based on like today's standards, then everyone's a bigot. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because yeah. we advance as people and we make progress, but it's like, rather than looking at the good these people have done, uh, which is what you could make an argument that the statues are commemorating. People like to focus on like the negative things that they've done, which is like, I don't yeah. know for such, for such a quote progressive society, we have, we have very um, elementary and, and basic views on, on things that we should be nuanced on. Or have we're not open to having dialogues because we're so scared we're going to get yelled at by people in the void, and it's a problem. Correct. It's gross, and, and it's like it's pushing authoritarian uh, style thinking, which I'm not a fan of. And that's what the whole point of this is. Like, um, I'll, I'll have people on who are liberal. I'll have people on who are conservative. But at the end of the day, if that's all you look at it as, as a person, you're the problem, not the not the other person. Yeah. 
Yeah, listen, and I think business people look at people as customers. They don't look at them for their political views, et cetera. At the end of the day, I don't care what a person's political view is. Um, I, I want to treat them the same as I treat every other customer who walks through my door or every, anyone that I interact with. I think everyone deserves to be treated in a fair and respectable way. Um, and if we just could focus on allowing people to express their their views without um, bashing them at every turn, I think this would be a much better world. But I think, like you said, um, we're, we're heading towards that totalitarian state. It's a very fine line, and we better be careful because every couple of hundred years, empires fall. It happened with Rome. It happened with uh, Great Britain. Um, and, you know, this could be the, the next um, one to fall, which is the USA and the West. Mm, and, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're fighting with the USA now. Like, there's a big trade war on aluminum. If you've been watching the news, Trump is going to impose these tariffs on aluminum, Canadian aluminum. And, uh, you know, then Ford uh, wants to hit right back like Rocky Balboa. And he says, we're going to impose tariffs on you. Um, I, I don't think that's great uh, political strategy. I don't think this is a, a chess game. I think, you know what, there's different ways to deal with things. And I think there's, you need the right type of person to deal with Trump because he has such a strong personality. But And um, you know what? You Trudeau's know, not that guy. Trudeau is not that formidable not that guy. guy that can go up against him. I don't care what your well, political views are. You're yeah. not telling me there's Trump not a doesn't respect him. There's not a formidable liberal in that position that could do that, or there's not a formidable PC member, a member of the conservatives, or you can even say NDP, but whatever. No, I, I can tell you all parties lack quality leadership. Like mm. I really can't name you one person in any of the three parties to say, hey, you know what? This guy's a strong uh, politician. I think he's the guy for the job or she's the guy for the job. I can't say that. In the past, you could say that. There were, there were a lot of politicians that even um, crossed the line and went like Bob Ray. He was a, an NDP. He was the premier of Ontario, crossed the line, became a liberal, um, but an intelligent guy. And, and you know now he's a, a diplomat. He, he's been appointed to the United Nations. Um, but that class of politician doesn't exist anymore. The Bill Davises of the world are gone. And the Pierre Elliott Trudeau's, like, he, you know, he carried himself in a different way. These politicians of today, I'm telling you, you know, they're lacking and, and we're going to feel it down the road. Your generation is really going to feel it because they're not problem solvers. They're not leaders. They're not forward thinkers. Well, maybe that's like the, the struggle that will be in place. You know, the, the, the poor leadership that, that we find ourselves uh, looking at, you know, maybe that's the struggle that propels us to do better and forces us to do better. But yeah, yeah you could we'll you could say that the you know the the institutions that we have in place or the parties that we have in place don't allow for effective leadership or even like the culture that we have where nobody's able to speak their mind. Like it, it's yeah. a problem. It's a problem. And I don't know it's why It's a problem because we've allowed it to happen. That's hmm. the problem. We've allowed it. We've permitted it. We've hmm. permitted it to to penetrate our society. Um, you know, see, these things don't happen in communist China, but you go ask any China, I have tons of Chinese friends and I do business with a lot of Chinese people um, who are here in Canada and you go ask them what they think about their government once they're out of the country and, and they'll tell you, you know what, um, yeah. you know, those totalitarian states like that, you can't have your own opinion, you can't formulate, so that's one extreme. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, but now we're, we're sort of heading it towards that extreme here in the West where we can't have an opinion here either. Otherwise, everyone's jumping on your back. So, yeah. you know, it, what it's does the that most... tell me? That tells me we're heading left towards socialism, ultimately communism. Yeah, which which is not, we don't need that. That can that can go. And when I hear the argument that, like, socialism hasn't done properly, it makes me want to, it makes me want to put my fist through a wall. Like, <laughs> it, it makes me want to, like, 
although capitalism is that, si- that Mike Tyson in you, that Mike yeah, Tyson. it brings out the inner rage in me because it's like, <laughs> you know, you could you could say that Marxist thought has been responsible for the deaths of tens, even hundreds of millions of people across the last Absolutely. couple of hundred or thousand years. It's like you really want to go down that path again. It's like although the system that we have in place isn't isn't necessarily perfect. It's it's like the most free. You know, correct. Else, like, go, ask, go ask anyone in Cuba if they're happy living in Cuba under the, the Castro yeah. regime since the 1950s, yeah. 60s after yeah. Batista. Ask them if they're happy living in Cuba, food rationing, um, having black and white TVs. Ask them if they're happy. That's socialism. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe because like the people coming like the people who are pushing socialism, you could say like the Bernie Sanders of the world and everything. Well, I do think like, you can, you know, that guy does have like, you know, the desire to help people. Um, like it's not going to work. That system's not going to work. Number one. And number two, these figures also figures like AOC speak to the youth. Like they they know how to market themselves and, and they can really speak to you in a very uh, convincing way with conviction and and they market themselves in a modern way which you don't see in a lot of like other people or even people who just like you know the systems that we have in place you don't see that and i don't know i agree yeah i agree yeah what are your thoughts on the whole situation with tiktok i i saw you on a real estate um yeah. podcast you were talking about how you utilize tiktok for marketing Listen, I have no doubt that the Chinese government is tracking our every move, but I also have no doubt that the Canadian, American, um, and all these companies that we subscribe to through email are tracking our every move. So what the hell is the difference? Chinese tracking us, Americans tracking us, Canadians tracking us, Facebook's tracking us, Google's tracking us, GPS is tracking us. Listen, you know what? At the end of the day, we have to accept it. We live in a technology-embedded uh, world and our every move has a footprint, and we're going to be tracked. Now, I obviously don't want the governments knowing my, my every detail. You know, they used to say in uh, the old days, you know, the government has no place in the bedrooms of the nation, which is true. But to the same um, degree, um, you got to know that all of these apps track us. Everything that we do today tracks us. So um, Instagram has a massive following, especially for people under 18. Um, it would be very sad if if Trump um, basically bans it from the U.S. I hope Instagram Canada doesn't get banned. Uh, or sorry, TikTok. not Instagram, TikTok. Yeah, TikTok uh, getting banned because it's, it's well. You know China's what? If 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 you get rid of all the American competition, maybe you'll be the number one uh, real estate influencer or or business person yeah. on the app. So it's like I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, well, okay, so it's good for me then. There you go. Microsoft is in talks to buy it, which is an interesting deal, I think. Yeah. Where he gave, yeah, or he absolutely. put into an executive order that says an American company has to buy it within 45 days, and then uh, I think TikTok or their parent company ByteDance countered that, or they're actively trying to counter that, which is. But why doesn't why doesn't Apple or maybe you know I was thinking about it the other day? What what these guys been doing sitting on their hands? Create the American version of TikTok. Well, Instagram just is the I don't know if you saw, but yeah, they just reel. started doing reels. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I posted one last night. I know it's fantastic. So get the word out. We got our own uh, TikTok through Instagram. It's called Real, and it's about time the the Instagram put it out there. Or even there's been an app for so long called Triller, although it's been used, it's been like popularized by musicians and things like that and rap artists. It's still, yeah. it's still an app, a video sharing app that is 15 seconds. It's all portrait and stuff, and, and that's a right. form of TikTok. You know, like yeah. 
it's it's silly and i don't know and a, and a strange argument that i heard is that trump's getting rid of it because it's hurting his ego which is like i i, I think people miss the point there although you know what it, it may be hurting his campaign and things like that i i don't think people realize like the potential security threat that this kid imposed and i'm not a fan of trump i think the guy's a moron but like i don't know people are very people love to come up with the easy the easy talking point yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And you know what? It, it, Trump has become sort of a scapegoat for, for everything um, yeah. nowadays. And, you know, he's a target. Um, but at the end of the day, you know what? I, I, I really believe that we're going through this world transformation. Um, you're starting to see this greater divide between East and West. And I think people are positioning, uh, countries are positioning themselves, China, the Soviet Union, um, the Middle East, uh, the West. But, you know, there's even internal conflict here. Like this is the worst relations that Canada and the U.S. have had since, uh, you know, the, the, the North American uh, early days when, the, you know, the U.S. and the Brit British and Americans were fighting. So I don't know. It's, it's troubling times. Yeah, it's it's a strange period in time i don't know I, I wonder how we're gonna look back upon this time and you know people people thought that you know we were gonna come together and this would be a time of unity and things right. like that and we would all be positive yeah that lasted for about two weeks and then the anarchy started to set in. <laughs> that lasted for all yeah. about two weeks and then that got completely thrown out the window yeah completely absolutely well it, it it tells you what our innate inner um you know animal instincts and what what our really what our baseline instincts are and they are survival right and um you know people when, when they feel threatened they either they flee or fight and, and you really see that during this COVID-19 um era period that we're living in like when I get into like a, a negative like thinking hole you could call it uh, I really I really ponder the thought like are, are we just like hardwired to immediately like destruct or, or destroy things once like we feel uncomfortable is that like the go-to move which is really like are, are we just going to create chaos when things don't go our way is that the is that the human yeah. way because if you yeah, look through history, the human way because if we didn't have organized stubborn. religion yeah if we didn't have organized religion and uh, a belief that were imposed upon us that uh, you know we got to be moral and ethical by all these world religions um people would be basically um you know wild we'd be we'd be wild I disagree animals. because even even with organized re uh, religion um there you have violence and and so imagine like without organized religion what would happen because at the end of the day really the church for example uh good maybe, or bad maybe the main people... message is peace the main message of most world religions of the, the six or seven big world religions is peace all of them um, if you've ever studied world religions, I think in grade 11, you got a world religions course. Um, mm -hmm. Study every major world religion, every world religion. At the core of that religion, the theme is peace. Um, 100%. All religions. But religion has been the, the, the cause of a lot of chaos and, and war and power dynamics yeah, and problems. Absolutely. Which is a very interesting absence, thing. Yeah, yeah I wonder. Imagine in the absence of, of, of religions and world religions, what would happen? Not sure, because if there was nothing there, then, you know, you wouldn't have the sense of something greater or something higher or something after. So maybe maybe people would be scared to attack one another just for that, like that idea of the unknown. They don't know what comes next. You can make that argument, which I, I like. 
Like, listen, I think, it, I think, it's, listen, it's your, your whole life. It's an interesting Catholic, thought experiment. That's all you're I'm right. Say. If, you're, if, if you're a Catholic, you're born and raised to believe, um, you know, in the Ten Commandments, you know, and yeah, thou shalt not, uh, you know, harm thy neighbor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Every religion has something like the Ten Commandments. Um, and basically, uh, it's, it's there to keep the peace between people, even within their own religions, right? So I think in the absence of, of a world without religion, um, we'd have real chaos. So if you go to pre-religious periods in history, um, you know, Neolithic times, you know, people were savages. They'd kill each other because it was survival. Um, then, you know, mm -hmm. as we evolved and, um, you know, people sort of uh, separated themselves from, from animals, we have the ability to decipher and decide what's right and wrong. And that's where religion comes into play. And then, you know, the notion of the afterlife, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But anyways, I, I, I think religion is some, somewhat um, there as a measure to control uh, populations' behaviors. Yeah. Well, I think like, you know, like the institutions around them are designed to keep people in place. Not so much like, yeah. because I don't know, the idea in something, in something like greater oftentimes can like ground you as a person which is a, po a very positive thing and i think that that lacks today i don't know somebody yeah, it does. A, it does. a comedian made a point that like you know astrology or, or like that stuff has just become like the new the new organized school of thought or religion which is weird because it's yeah. just like so silly no i feel like if you believe Agreed. that the stars dictate how your life plays it's just not not normal like that's not normal yeah there, there's a lot of things that are normal about yeah. the world if you really examine them right yeah. and before people were, were permitted to read because there was a a time when uh average people who were uh, not the nobility were not permitted to read or be educated yeah. and during those times those, those were the dark times um you know people uh people lived in the dark and for you know most of their lives they had no idea about existence. This is why we had superstitions. This is why people believe in black magic because they weren't educated, right? Then once mm -hmm. people started getting educated, they said, what is this nonsense, right? They could think for themselves. So I just, I, I think we're in a strange time, but we're definitely mm -hmm. going through a transition, a world transition in every way, a philosophical, um, economical, um, every aspect of, of life is going through a transition right now. Yeah, 100%. What do you think is responsible for like this push to like secular living, like where people are getting away from, you know, religion and all that stuff and organized religion is essentially becoming a thing of the past, at least in like, um, you could say very like modern places in the world. Well, I think what's happened is the media has brought the bad behavior of all organized religion to light, right? Look at all the injustices that have happened in the name of religion. Um, residential schools with indigenous people in Canada is a great example. Look, look, mm. look at what we did to a generation of indigenous uh, young people um, and how they were treated by a so-called uh, religious organization, which really promoted peace, love, and, uh, you know, other virtues. So, you know, I'm not just talking about the Catholic Church because these injustices have happened in every uh, organized religion, but they weren't brought to light before. And I think everything's coming to light now. Listen, I'll tell you, the pre-internet world was a different place. I was talking to someone about that just the other day. When an earthquake happened in Italy, it would take eight hours before the rest of the world knew. When an earthquake, major earthquake uh, on the Richter scale, it's a, a six, a seven, an eight happens in Italy, 
you're going to know about it 30 seconds after it happens. Well, even, even the situation in Beirut, you know, how fast you got it. Yeah. We found out about that right away, which is, you know, and you had images, you had video that would never happen. Yeah. Multiple people were living in the dark and you know what people went about their business and didn't worry about what happened halfway across the world. Now, you know, instantaneously and it impacts your psyche when you 100%. And I think that's the point. I think they, there is an agenda and you call me whatever you want to say, but like, I think there is a push to like make people more fragile minded, you could say, or like get them or weaken them to a point. And I think that's the whole thing with um, the media, you know, Uh, Will Smith has a quote, you know, regardless of what you think of the guy, he has a quote and it says, uh, or racism isn't, isn't getting worse. It's being filmed. And, you know, you can, you, and you can apply that to anything in the world. Like, Awful behavior isn't getting worse necessarily. If anything, it's getting better if you look at statistics uh, throughout the developed world and even in places where they're, they're consistently developing. It's like times are becoming better, but yet we're conditioned to believe that we're in, an, we're in a generation or a time of sucky, you know, of just yeah. pure dreary nonsense, which is false, but no. Yeah, and you know what the other big thing is, and this is this is pushed on us by the socialist professors in the Western universities. Data, all this data being shoved down our throat. Now, listen, I'm, I'm you know I've got an academic background. I've got a master's degree, a bachelor of education, a bachelor of arts degree, economics history. Um, I'll tell you, the data is killing us. We're being overburdened by nonsensical data, overburdened by data that isn't relevant to our living situation, and. It plays on your psyche when you're constantly bombarded by data. And for the most part, it's negative data, not positive data. The, the, the research that's being done in these universities and the research that is being pushed out there onto society. So, listen, I'm not a big fan of, of post-secondary academia right now because I think um, no, it's the bad. universities. It's bad. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's intellectually dishonest, but they're posing, they're using like, uh, uh, like this false sense of morality as an excuse to just be intellectually dishonest, which is a big, big problem. Like yeah, there's really. this, there's this professor, I believe his name is Robert Reich or something. I could be wrong. Not sure what his name is, but like he, he's a very like liberal professor and there's a lot of, you know, liberal professors. And there's also, you know, a, a small minority in academia right now, but there are like your, your conservative, um, uh, academics but there shouldn't be a place for bias in, in in these schools yet like this this very um innocent you could say group of kids come into this institution and then they're just flooded with all this like biased and nonsense information that n- might not necessarily be based in in fact but it's like this false sense of morality and virtue signaling and moral posturing that that they use and that they uh take into the real world with yeah, you hit the nail on the head, and I'm glad you realized that and acknowledged that that's what's happening in post-secondary. And it's also happening with the media. The media used to be very objective. It's no longer an objective um, medium for transmitting information. When Walter Cronkite, famous American newsman, uh, used to broadcast the news, he would give the facts without his opinion, without his opinion. Today, everyone's got an opinion. They feel entitled to an opinion. And they feel that they can speak their mind. Um, just watch CNN. CNN to me is disgusting. Um, it, is, it is so biased. Um, hmm. You know, it is not news. It's not real news. They shouldn't call it a news network. They should just call it uh, some kind of uh, media magazine on TV. Because the, that's the what it biggest, is. 
the biggest example of that was Chris Cuomo's propaganda hour with his brother, Andrew Cuomo. I think that yeah. was the most eye-opening thing for me. You know, the fact that they call themselves objective journalism and get that passes is gross. You know, Fox is an example. Once again, I'm, I'm pandering yeah. to my American yeah. audience here, Listen, but like Fox is yeah. an example of that too. And although like you saw that with the Chris Wallace interview, there's a bit more like, um, diversity and thought you can say within that organization than maybe a CNN. But the big example for CNN was like what Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo did, where they were making jokes with like that giant uh, nose swab. It's like, how is that objective mm-hmm. news? You're giving your it's guy a propaganda sense. hour. Meanwhile, he's responsible. His irresponsibility left to the deaths of a lot of old age, uh, a lot of people in old age yeah. homes, which it's you right. know is is a big problem. And and then you have people come out and say that New York handled it well. It's like nobody's going to recognize the fact that all of these old people died for no good reason other than irresponsibility. Like nobody's going to talk about it. It's, it's a weird thing. I wish people were more, more open-minded. Just, I wish people were more open-minded. I don't know why we're so divided. It makes no sense. Like, listen, you know, the the hard, honest truth, you know, the answer you're saying, Oh, why aren't people open-minded? I'll tell you why, because the masses are asses. It's a sad reality of our existence, but the majority of the population are morons. 80% of the people in our society are moronic sheep who are followers. And if they didn't have a shepherd there with a staff to lead the way, they'd get lost in the woods. And that mm-hmm. is the honest to God truth. And I think, you know, 20% of the population are rational, reasonable, intelligent people. Um, you know, and 80% are absolute followers of of their own shadow when i see it with this covid situation or 80 percent are masquerading as you know uh the other 20 percent no they're just stupid they they can't masquerade they're too stupid to to masquerade you know they're yeah yeah they're 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 revealed immediately it's like putting a flashlight on a, a burglar in the dark yeah yeah, I had a guy on the podcast uh, at at the time of recording or when it's released. This will be two episodes ago. But the guy's name is Chase Pades, and he's like a young uh, musician. And you know, within like the art space, there's a lot of like for such a for such an open ended thing that is art and music. He for some reason artists have like a very similar worldview. And this guy had like such a crazy. I might not agree with everything the guy says, but I'm like so open to what he's saying just because of how like independently he's thinking he's on his own path which i can respect it's like you can admire that if you're listening to this right now and you've listened up to this point uh and you will be listening to the the rest of this conversation uh i implore you to talk to somebody with a differing worldview and, and come to a conclusion that is reasonable because oftentimes we get we get polluted with our own bs and it's just it's sad to see yeah agreed good that's that's a great point and I appreciate you bringing that up. And I think people need to dialogue more with people of opposing views and be respectful of opposing views. I think we should always be dialoguing. And that's where great ideas come from. It's, it's that kind of back and forth dialogue. And, you know, we just we have a tough time for whatever reason. Um, you know, discourse no longer exists. It used to back in Greek society, Roman society doesn't happen anymore. Now it's, it's shouting matches, right, without much thinking. Well, it's but also seen as there. it's also seemed as lame if you're not like morally posturing, if you're having yeah. like an intellectual d- discussion with like, you know, all these big words or like all the all these foreign concepts, you can say like nobody's going to be invested in that because it's not easy. And when it's not easy, yeah. then it's boring. And then I don't want to be a part of the pack that doesn't think uh, that this is cool. So I'm going to do my own thing. 
or I, or I'm just going to join the pack and like just post something on my story that that'll go that'll be taken down in 24 hours just because of the like the the 24 hour limit. That's yeah. that's we're in a culture of like fake thought and fake activism where you post something up and, on your and story. Instant gratification. Everybody yes. wants that instant gratification. You know, you got 24 hours to to figure it out. Otherwise, we're taking it down. Yeah, so or you have just, like. Or it's like you have 25, 24 hours to realize that my opinion is better than yours or else you're the rad person. Just like, that's a slippery slope. That's a slippery slope. Like, I don't know. I really think the world would benefit from a lot more empathy and, you know, like discussion with people because we have these very advanced communication systems, but we don't seem to use them in the most productive way. We just shout at each other nonstop. And like, yeah, that's a great point. There's too much noise, right? Maybe there's too, it's too much media. It's too much of a, a, an outlet to voice opinion. Maybe there's too much, right? No, we're, we're going there's the definitely other way. too much. There's definitely too much. And yeah. uh, the noise is a big problem. And you mentioned instant gratification. It's like, I don't like that. One of the, my favorite parts about like doing this podcast, aside from the conversations is seeing the like slow baby step growth of it because it's not exploding. That's not what this is doing. And I don't, I don't ever expect that, but I I love like the grind like that, that, you know, seeing what I'm doing. The satisfaction, right. That that satisfaction of the the gradual improvement is very satisfying. Like that, especially for, for, yeah, for a grassroots thing that you're doing, that what you're going to get initially is that satisfaction that, you know, you're seeing gradual improvement, right. Even if there's no monetary um, you know, um, fulfillment right now, but you know, you're improving your numbers, people watching, mm-hmm. uh, people are talking about your podcast. That's the gratification. Yeah. 100. That's, that's an honorable thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the grind. I don't know. And maybe people don't like that resistance or, or here's another thing that I don't like the, the, gl- the glorified ways of like the, the glorified nature of the fault, like the faulty grind. Like you see that with Gary V he's always posting about rise and grind and, and get into it. It's like, at the end of the day, that's fairly hollow. Like you're promoting a a false message. Like it's weird. It's weird. I don't know. I like the guy in comparison to, you know what, just because he's a lot and he's brash. And I, and I like that. I like swearing. I like when people swear and stuff. (laughs) You know what it is, Gary V he's got that, that immigrant spunk about him, right? Because he comes from the former Soviet union. And I respect Anyone who came from an Eastern Bloc country, uh, like he did in the 1980s. Oh, I have a lot of respect for Gary V. His content and sells he and says he knows grind. what he's doing. And when he talks about grind, I think that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the sacrifice, the personal sacrifice that it takes to build a company from zero to hero. Most people will never experience that unless they give of themselves fully to their business and they make personal sacrifices like sacrificing their family time, their leisure time. Most people will never understand that. And you know what? In our country, which is a very socialist country, a lot of people who have these safe, cushy jobs, they'll never get that. And they'll never get the hardship the people who are going to lose their businesses in the next two or three months are going to feel. Oh, I hope these people with their small businesses, they come back stronger than ever. Like, it is wishful thinking, but like... yeah. I don't know. The destruction of small business is something that is, it's a very slippery slope and seeing these giant corporations just take over their markets and just weed everybody out. Like that's a very, very slippery slope. And that, that's a, that's a very uh, curious thing you can well, say. Listen, 
we got to blame governments and banks. Like I've been in business all my life. When you go to the bank and you try to get a small business loan, nine times out of 10, you're rejected. Even if you got perfect credit, if you've got great revenue, um, it doesn't matter what your bottom line is, you get rejected because banks and financial institutions view small businesses as risky. But when Costco or Walmart or IBM or Microsoft go to governments for, for loans or to buy um, you know, bonds or security-backed investments, they get it right away. And this is, this is the government to blame for allowing that to happen and not supporting small business more than they actually do. And actually in the U.S., there's a lot more support for small business. There do you think that's the plan to destroy small business? Do you think that's the plan? I think it's, it's one of the plans, yep, and it's happening. And they're allowing it to happen. I don't think it's collusion in terms of every big corporation getting together and saying, we're going to crush that little guy. It's just the way of the future because the big players and the big blue chip companies have access to funds. And the, the lifeblood of any company, small or big, is funding. Small businesses can't get that funding. So the demise is on its way. The other thing is, is property values. I'm in real estate, so I can tell you. Yeah, I see the properties you post and I'm like, I'm like salivating sometimes. It's like, I can, I can, it's material. So property values. Yeah. I I was just going to make one point. I'll let you go, but because property values are so high and commercial space values are so high. um, Tenants and businesses can never afford to make ends meet because rents continue to increase as property values increase. So small business is in big trouble in Canada. I can tell you that as a small business owner and as a uh, person in the real estate industry, I see both sides of it. Small business is in massive trouble here in Canada. Yeah, 100%. But like going uh, like the point I mentioned about the the condos that you're posting or the or the yeah. the homes that you're posting, it's like Although material isn't the most important thing, like it's good to have goals in mind or like strive for something 100%. greater. And yeah. I look at some of these things, I'm like, who's a f- who can afford this? Like I, I thought this not your generation. Yeah, yeah, I'm like not your generation. Does my generation have this money? Like what? The, out of nowhere, they can afford these these things. Like who's buying right now? So I'll tell you, in Canada, we got a lot of foreign buyers. And even though they're not here right now, right now yeah. what's happening is real estate's on fire because there was pent up demand. Real estate was shut down for the month of March, April, May, and into June. You got massive pent up demand, not enough supply of houses, condos, and shelter. Um, and so all of a sudden the summer comes, it's great weather. Traditionally, the spring, summer months are the hot real estate months. Everybody gets out there to buy. Add to that that interest rates are historic lows. So residential interest rates right now, you can get an interest rate at a variable rate of 1.59%. It is Mm -hmm. insane. Never had that in history happen. So people are saying great interest rates. Um, You know, it's great weather. We want to move. We've been locked up inside for, you know, three, four months. Um, It's time to move. So if you still got a job, if you're a doctor, a nurse, a police officer, a firefighter, and you haven't lost your job, Great time to buy real estate because you've got good credit. The bank's going to give you a mortgage. And guess what? you got a paycheck every two weeks that you can go out and put towards that property that you want. So that's who's buying. Yeah. And when, when immigration starts again, because right now the borders are closed, immigration stopped, Canada's going to continue to be on fire because immigrants will fuel the real estate market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look at some of your properties and or the properties that you're selling and it's like, I like it. <laughs> I like it. it. It looks nice. 
you know. But that's Listen, the way- can, I, can I give you guys a, a piece of advice for a young sure. guy like you? There's a lot of advantages, okay? So the first thing I would say is you got to start getting into real estate young. And how do you get into real estate? It may not be by actually owning the real estate. You might own something called a, re- a real estate um, investment trust, which is a fund of real estate stocks, um, which companies own. And there's a ton of them here in, in Canada, uh, smart centers and, and apartment uh, REITs, um, commercial REITs, which I wouldn't get into right now. But you start in that field and you start building a portfolio. You start making money in something like that. And then you can transfer that to actually buying something like a pre-construction condo where a young person like you only needs to put 5% down. So if you find a condo that sells for $400,000 and you only need to put 5% down, that means you're putting $20,000 down over the period of the condo being built, which is usually three to four years. So if you got an entry level job in Canada making $30,000, guess what? You can buy an entry level condo for four or $500,000. It may not be in downtown Toronto. It may be outside of Toronto, but you're going to be able to get into the real estate game. So it's not impossible but the problem is in our school system, they don't teach us stuff like this. But no, I teach my clients how to go out and buy real estate. Even I got clients who are 21, 22 buying real estate. I had a client who was 18 because I'm educating them on what the strategies are to get into the market. And that's not happening in school. And that's yeah. the fault of our school system, politicians, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, no, it's the, a lot of the curriculum is bogus. And I think, I think it's, it's a problem. Like the fact that, they, they started to slowly introduce financial literacy into uh, grade 10. And then it got completely yeah. derailed because of the pandemic, which is unfortunate. But yeah, right. you were mentioning how you, t- how you run your course and everything like that. And there's a lot of like scummy uh, people who do online courses and things like that. Absolutely. And a lot of people like uh, have contempt for these guys. They don't like these guys. They think they're like just trying to steal their money and run. So like how, how do you go about, building that trust because you got to like work on it essentially. So, so, so one of the ways I do it is, um, you know, I'm not one of these guys who says, you know, college is bullshit. School's a scam. I got three actual university degrees, three of them that are right behind me here, three Canadian university degrees, tons of certification. So I have the credentials to back me up and I'm well known in the community for the last 25 years. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a, a hit and run type of guy. I'm here for the long term. My family's centered here in Toronto. Um, I've got roots here and people see me on social media. They've seen me on social media for years now. So they know that for the most part, I'm someone that they can trust and someone who's not going to um, lead them down the wrong path. And I treat every customer like family. And, and you know, you, you know, often people will tell me, they say, the reason we deal with you is because you educate us, because you care, because you go above and beyond. I don't have office hours in the real estate uh, office. I got 24-7 on-call hours. So people, you know, text me at 11 o'clock, I reply. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm someone that, that is accessible, someone that educates, and someone who I like to think treats their customers more like family rather than customers. And that comes through over time, right? And you got to build that trust. It doesn't happen overnight. And, and everyone's got to build a career and careers don't happen overnight. They happen over years of hard work and building trust. And that's sort of the point where I'm at in my life and career. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can respect your hustle and your grind. I love how you mean mug the camera. Hey guys, Toe from Atto knows everything here <laughs> on Instagram. It, it's funny. I, I like seeing, yeah. I, I like seeing the grind and I like seeing that displayed. I, Thank you. On your website, you, you put up or that you were releasing a COVID-19 ebook yep. resiliency. Yeah. And I was just so, going to say, uh, 
Tam or Dr. Tam just said that we could have two to three more years of this. So you might have a trilogy on your hands. You might have a franchise on no, your hands. No, no. I, so I, I was ready to put it out on Amazon. So I, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. I was ready to publish it on Amazon and I paused it because so much more started happening in my life. And I said, you know what? I can't just put it out the way it is because it doesn't end in June. Like my life completely changed once real estate opened up again, once, um, you know, I started shifting back into sports because sports leagues uh, for me, sports training started opening and, you know, things started happening to me again and, and real estate really boomed for me this summer. Um, so I said, this can't be it. I've got to, I've got to continue on writing and rather than write a trilogy, I got to see where, where things go with this. And if, you know, it takes until November to add on, um, I, I won't release it until then. So I, I'm, I'm still writing, believe it or not. And I think the story is getting better and better as, as things progress. Yeah. The whole thing about like using Amazon as an independent publisher is, is very interesting because yeah. you have like these people writing like all, there's a lot of like, I heard the story about like uh, this, this stay at home mom writing like a bunch of these um, crappy romance books and like all of these like uh, fictional, like crazy nonsense werewolf thing. And she made like a hundred K or like $500,000 off of these books, which is absurd. Yeah. 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 But it happens because the U S market is so big. You've got 330 million people that you're catering yeah. to. So, you know, if, if you sell, um, you know, a hundred thousand books, it's a drop in the bucket in terms of the population. But even if you sold them at, you know, two, three dollars each, you're talking serious money, right? Yeah. So there's a lot more potential in the U.S. than there is in Canada for That's, sure. But one of the books that I've been reading, which which I'll recommend because it's my style book, um, it's called Seventy Five Hard. So um, really cool book. Got That's a glossy Andy cover. Fella. Yeah, glossy cover, man. Andy Frisella, who's an American entrepreneur, but he's got a little bit of a similar background to me that he started a supplement company back in uh, the late 90s. And I had a, a, a supplement company as well. And it's interesting because he said it took him 10 to 15 years to actually make money. Whereas when I saw that I wasn't making money, I bailed. It was one of my first companies. Um, so I bailed. And now I think in retrospect, if I would have stuck with it, could I have had a $150 million company like Andy Priscilla did because he stuck with it for 10 years. Yeah. Right. So, you know, interesting stuff. Yeah. There or speaking of like, and I'm going to add on to like holding on to something. There is this uh, story on shark tank. This guy had the opportunity to invest into under armor, but like his wife said, no, and he need to hold on to the money for their own thing. Turns out uh, under armor becomes this giant thing that investment he made or he could have made would have been worth like a 250 million or something absurd. So it's just yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a funny story about that too. Like uh, beyond meats. I don't know if you heard of it, yeah. but uh, everybody yeah. sells this fake vegan meat, which I'm not a big fan of because it tastes like freaking mush. <laughs> but anyways, um, I could have invested that early uh, pre-public sale and I was trying to convince people and I had so many naysayers tell me that it would not make money or survive, but they actually convinced me not to go ahead and invest early in that. So that's the same type of story. And now uh, beyond meats is, is everywhere. So Wendy's yeah. uh, McDonald's, Tim Hortons. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> I know that must suck. Like to, to like be yeah. sitting on something that could just explode and, and do numbers. And then it just doesn't pan out, but you know what? Life is a journey. 
There's different yep. scenarios, situations, and everybody has their own experience. If you're a kid my age, like right now, if you're a kid who's like 15, has all this free time, kind of is looking to like make make or create a future for themselves or, you know, get that like um, quick bag, you could say, what would you do with the time that you have now? I, I'd go work for um, a tech company because I think tech is the future. I'd even go volunteer. I'd do it for free. I'd find something that I, I, I enjoyed, um, you know, whether it's building apps or some tech startup, but I I'd go get experience, life experience, and I would work for free. That's what I would do. I would work for free for the first little while because you're at home, you're getting supported by your parents. Uh, you don't really have any bills right now. This is the only time in your life where you can go out there, go on a limb, work for free, gain experience and infiltrate into a company which you know could or could not succeed, but once you got that experience, it's invaluable because you'll be able to jump to any company. Um, in, in the absence of that, what I would do is go work like a dog wherever you can, fast food, um, go work at uh, Canadian Tire, Home Depot, save as much money as you can, start buying real estate. Those are the two pieces of advice I would give a young person like you. Yeah, start buying real estate. But yeah, yeah listen, like- in five years, you tell, let me ask this question. You think you could save $20,000 in five years? probably possibly i don't know if this makes money and i have and and i make money from no, like but, part-time but let's jobs say, let's and just things say, like that yeah right let's just say you got to combine three jobs your podcast a canadian tire and a home depot could you save twenty thousand dollars in five years yeah sure so there you go you just got a deposit on a four hundred thousand dollar condo right and, mm-hmm. and there's you know there's a lot of opportunity for those types of condos so um, once you get into that market, guess what? You're an investor. And that's how you start snowballing um, investment properties because you start building equity. Maybe you have a tenant. You don't want to live in it because you, you're living mm-hmm. with your parents. You put in a tenant. They pay your mortgage. You build equity. Then you pull the, 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 the cash and equity out of that. You go buy a second one. By the time you're 30, you could own four or five properties. But people aren't thinking long-term. And young people especially yeah. have the short-term, narrow um, goal set and, and you got to expand that a little bit. Well, that's, that's the internet age, you know, the instant gratification and yep. getting things like now, as opposed to, we were talking about this a bit earlier in the conversation about like having a game plan. I don't know what this, I want it to be successful. Like as much as I do it just to like have conversations because I like to have conversations and it, it's one of my passions. It's like, I want this to be successful. Like I want Good. to, Good. I want to differentiate myself from the pack. Like that's a mentality I have. I want to do something interesting. And it's like, not a lot of people, my voice is cracked. Not a the joys of being young. Uh, not a lot of people yeah. can like have a long form conversation and, and maintain being interesting throughout it. So if I can do that, I think that that's something interesting. Like there's yeah, a lot absolutely. of these like bite-sized things and that's completely not my style. I, I just can't roll with that. Maybe I, maybe I don't have the ability to zone in on one topic, but I don't think I like one thing enough. Maybe the podcasting or talking to, or talking is that one thing I'd like. But aside from that, I don't think there's like one specific thing that I could like do or, or consume myself in or, or just completely get absorbed in, if that makes sense. Maybe for now, maybe but probably in five years, that, that, that perspective may change in five years. It may change. It may change. And you know what? I'm open to change and I'm open to new things, but yeah. How are you running camps? Because in the, in the age of pandemic, you're still running camps, which I think is pretty impressive, but like what well, kind a, of red tape is in place? You know, what, 
it's it's permitted. Obviously, we've got to follow all the yeah. protocols which have been put in place by York Region Public Health. But um, we're permitted to run camps with uh, basically a one to nine ratio. Um, so you know you got a counselor with uh, eight or nine kids, um, and we have eighty thousand square feet. My facility is massive, so you can spread these kids out uh, over the eighty thousand square feet. So you know I've got to tell you, every week our numbers keep going up. We get more and more kids. Um, we separate kids into developmental age groups. So, you know, you got primary kids, you got junior kids, intermediate kids, and uh, it's sports camp, right? So, you know, kids are spread out. There's no contact. And, um, you know, parents need childcare. At the end of the day, they got to go to work. Not yeah. everyone gets to stay home and get paid. Like there are people who actually got to go to work. You work in a grocery store. You're not collecting, sir. You got to go to work, you know? Yeah. So you're a firefighter. You're going to work, right? They need childcare. And that's where we come into play. And, you know, we've got the best child care in camps in the city of Vaughan. Um, I think better even than <laughs> yeah. the municipal camps. And, you know, we've been around for years. Parents trust us, know us. We're staffed by ECEs, um, also OCT uh, certified teachers. So, you know, we've been doing really well, thankfully. And, you know, we, all the safety protocols are in place. Kids walk in with masks, so do their parents. Um, you know, we have uh, contact tracing for everyone. Uh, we have hand sanitizer stations everywhere. So, we follow all the uh, the protocols put in place by public health. Yeah, that that it's pretty cool. Like your facility, I, I haven't been to it in a while. I used to I used to do like a I went to a soccer. I was I was playing soccer there for a little bit, and I actually uh, went to the Montessori there uh, for a little bit. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So yeah. that was our old facility. That was yeah. Avon Sports Flex One. Yeah. Yeah. So now you've moved Good. on. Maybe maybe the trilogy will be uh, a Tesla Gigafactory size thing. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? B bigger is not always better. I no, actually, I know. As I get older, I want to scale down, and uh, you know what? I I, I want to rely less on other people because, uh, again, like I said, I hate to say it, but it, it's a testament to the twenty percent of hardworking people in society. You can't rely on eighty percent of the people out there. So. You know, the more I rely on myself, the better I do. And that's why, I, you know, I, I seem to become like a, a lone wolf as I get older. I don't know what happens, if it's wisdom or being jaded or whatever it is, but um, I like working by myself. That's one of my philosophies, staying jaded. I, I genuinely believe that because I think if you, if you kind of have like some, some like negativity or like some, some kind of like, not malice in a way, but like anger or, you know, distrust of other people like that keeps you sharp it keeps you on your toes so it's more like stay sharp but i like to say stay jaded that's what i say yeah good stay, stay a bit ugly you know don't don't yeah. be don't be too perfect nobody like nobody likes a perfect pat you know yeah you're right exactly mm. you know it's like it's like the airbrush syndrome like i can't stand when i look at these magazines or even these digital photos where people mm. are completely airbrushed um, it's a turnoff. You know, you need, you need some flaws, you know, no, people with yeah. scars used to be considered handsome or, you know, um, they had character. Right. And, uh, you know, that doesn't exist as much anymore. We want flawless, uh, individuals, which is nonsense. I hate that stuff. It, it's so yeah. fake. You can tell it's fake. These people are fake. They don't have good personalities. It's like, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, there's this thing where it's like, um, or even just like an obsession with youth is so confusing. Like, yeah. I don't understand why people don't take comfort in the fact of like, one day you're not going to look the way you do now. You're going to get wrinkly. You're going to get shorter. You're going to hunch over. You're going to get, you're, you're not going to have like that, that clear skin. You're not going to be as ripped. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like people, people don't take, it's a weird thing getting old, you know? 
And I'm 15 yeah, and I'm saying that. And I'm just kind of observing. I'm just kind of an outsider looking in. So I can't so, really comment. The, the countdown clock starts the day you're born, man. And then you know what? Uh, you really realize it, I guess, when, you know, I, I think the average male in Canada lives to like 78. Um, so, you know, I'm on my, I'm on the other, I'm on the tipping side. I'm, I'm getting closer to the grave than I am anywhere else. But, um, you know, I, I don't think about that. I think about today and I think about tomorrow and like where I'm going to be in five years and I set goals and, and that's sort of how I live my life. I'm, you know, I'm not consumed by vanity in any way. I just no. go about doing my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, you know, I'm, I'm the next big male model, you know, I'm going to step away from the podcast. Thing. I'm going to, I'm going to get, it. I'm going to get the six pack for the gram and um, get into That's where modeling. the money is apparently. That's Maybe. where the I money is apparently. You got but like, but like, I don't know. It seems so hollow. Like it seems like you're completely judged on being pretty or being, being beautiful, you know? objectively nice looking it's like i don't know there's more to life it must be a a hollow existence to a certain extent to just consistently live your life to look good yeah listen you know what it must be hard to be ronaldo right but uh, you know well ronaldo's an athlete right i mean like yeah you hear these stories about like modelings having to starve themselves and things like that or live unhealthy lives to attain a certain standard that's so unrealistic and it's not really what the the general public wants, you know? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I yeah. I, I think, you know, it's an unrealistic standard, not, not what we should be, uh, you know, putting out there as, as the messaging for kids to aspire to be perfect. I think that's nonsense. Like I said, we're all uh, flawed in some way. And I think flaws create character. So, um, you know, trying to erase those flaws um, has a negative impact on persons overall characters. And now that you don't allow people to have flaws, it's like one little thing gets messed up with a kid. You know, they're crying. It's that whole participation trophy mentality, you know? It's like they have to be perfect. And if they don't get that one thing, then they suck. Their self-esteem is crushed. They're nobody. They're nothing. They won't be loved or liked. It's a complete fallacy. I don't know. Yeah, agreed, man. Big words are fun. Anyways, man, yeah. we've been rolling for some time now. I'm sure you're busy. Right. You got you got things to do. Thank you for coming on the podcast for the second yeah, listen, time. Yeah, um, you know, big things happening in Bonn. I don't know if you heard about it, and I'm hosting it at my facility. It's called BonnCon. Yes, I, I heard about that. Memorabilia, comic book uh, mm-hmm. stuff. It's going to be the biggest uh, comic book convention, toys and memorabilia in Bonn. Hopefully, we get the green light in November where we can have more than 100 people in the facility. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a spectacular event. So, uh, yep, running during a pandemic, which is a bit you of got a it, buddy. go to go to That's his Instagram. That's real counterculture. Yeah, yeah, yeah counterculture. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, uh, at the end of the day, um, I think life's going to go on, and it's going to be this way for the next two years. And you know, I, I, everyone's allowed their opinion, but I think if you just wear, if you and I wear a mask, and you're young and you're healthy, and I'm you know uh, older, but I consider myself young and healthy, uh, we won't have any issues. Um, the people who are vulnerable are, are the sick, the elderly. And, um, you know, if young kids aren't spreading it to those people, we'll be okay. What it's going to take is people wearing masks. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't go to, uh, to have surgery and say, tell your surgeon, don't wear a mask, right? Yeah. Um, no. And I think most people would say that. Uh, and why? Because of bacteria spread and, and cleanliness. So wear a mask. We'll all be fine. People need to chill out. 
um, you know, the flu and uh, other viruses kill just as many people as COVID-19. So don't panic. Although I know media has uh, created mass panic. Uh, yeah. In don't listen today. to the COVID. Won't. Don't listen to the COVID theme song on the news. There you go. You got it. Stop watching CP24. Another, yeah, it's not. It's not. 24-hour news cycle is a mess. All right. If you've listened thus okay. far, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you. Even if you tuned in for five seconds, I still appreciate you. But nonetheless, Tony, thank you for coming on for the second time. I uh, hope you had a good Thanks time. Thanks for having me. Listen, I had a great time, and I love it. And keep up the good work, man. Keep plowing forward. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Links to all things CFY are in the description below. Stay cool.